Good morning and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. May God bless you and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, River of Life. Um, I need to do something a little bit different. Just take a couple minutes before Pastor Blackie comes. And uh, I need to make an apology. Uh, this past weekend, uh, we had a guest speaker. Uh, Pastor Nate Smith, and uh, he spoke in the youth service on Saturday night, and then he spoke on both Sunday morning services. And in those services, he used some language and said some things that was, uh, that was inappropriate. Um, I, Ephesians 5 says this, if they can pull that up. It says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. Um, He didn't do that, unfortunately. He said a few things that were, as I said, were inappropriate. And uh, now let me say this. God moved anyway. The Bible tells us clearly that no man comes unto the Father unless the Spirit of God draws him. You know, God moves because of our words, and God moves in spite of our words, doesn't he, Pastor Henry? God is a holy, mighty, awesome God, and he moves anyway. But we did want to take just a couple of minutes just to apologize from the the, uh, Pastor Henry, Pastor Blackie, uh, the church staff, myself. Uh, It's our responsibility, to be quite honest, to to make sure that those types of things uh, do not happen, and so we have uh, we've dealt with it, um, and we'll try to do our very best. We promise to make sure that those types of things uh, don't happen uh, again. If we can, I think it would be appropriate, don't you, to pray for him? Let's do that as, as Pastor Blackie gets ready to come. Father, I pray right now for our brother, Pastor Nate Smith. I pray God that you would use him. I pray, God, that you would mold him and make him into what you would have him to be, that you would bless him and you would use his gifts and his talents to further the kingdom of God. And, Father, while I'm here, let me say from all of us, help us to use our language appropriately. That, that scripture there is not for preachers. That scripture is for everybody. Help us to walk as children of light not and use language of the children of darkness. Help us, Lord, to be more like you. Now, as my brother comes, Father, I pray, God, that you'd bless his words. God, we know already that he's a human being. We know already that his words have no special power, but you do. You do. Bless his words, anoint his words, ordain his words in these next minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Derek. And good morning, River of Life Church. So that we don't have a repeat of last weekend, I have asked my parents to sit on the front row so that if I get out of line, they can... uh, 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 What an absolute honor it is to be uh, before you this morning. I have a special word for you this morning. And happy Valentine's Day, by the way. 
Uh, we are going to speak on the topic of love today. I think that's very uh, appropriate. And also, we're going to be touching on one of my favorite scriptures of all time. It was a scripture that was actually given to me about five years ago from Brother Derek. And I'm lucky enough to attend a church that when I find a scripture or something that I want to dig into, my church tells me it's okay to set up camp right there, to plant your flag, and to stay in that verse until you are ready to move on. Those are words that I have heard uh, from my pastor, from my associate pastor, and we're going to dive into that today. So I hope, uh, hope you're ready to receive what we have for you today. Again, I am Pastor Blackie, my wife Michelle and my daughter Claire and I, and my parents Daryl and Joyce, we have been attending River of Life. This Easter will be eight years that we have been members here. For the past year, all right, yay, eight years, all right. <laughs> for, for, the, for the past uh, year, little about 13 months, I have been the full-time youth pastor here, and I have really enjoyed my time with my youth. We got delayed just a little bit, I know, as many of you have with covid uh, but we are back on track now, and we are pushing full steam ahead. And if you'll see, a lot of us have our sweatshirts on today. And our motto at River of Life, our slogan, if you will, our brand, is love, it is truth, and it is prayer. That is what the thesis of our youth program is going to be about. It is going to be about love, it is going to be about truth, and it is going to be about prayer. Many of our youth that are gathered here today, they have heard portions of this sermon today. So a little bit of it is going to be repeat but I do want you to know that um, we just absolutely love your children. We love your children and we invest in them. And thank you for a church that supports our youth program. When I talk to the youth, especially when I get newcomers or when I minister to the men at Promised Land Lighthouse Ministries here in town, ran by Brother Glenn Hamill, sometimes we have conversations that really start with the Bible. And what I ask everybody is, okay, let's just have, let, let, let's get some opinions. How about one word, one word that comes to mind when you think about this book? Jesus comes to mind. Okay, thank you. I tell you what I get a lot of times, I get power. A lot of people tell me power. There's power in the word. There's power in God's word. Another word that I get often is truth. This is the truth. This is the true word of God. This is for his people. And there's truth involved in this book right here. Another one that I get often and I really feel strongly about is redemption. Is redemption. I see a lot of heads nodding on this side. Redemption is what this book is about. Brother Derek could tell you that. One of his sermons that he gave right here really changed the way that I look at this book about being about redemption. But the word that comes up over and over and over again when I'm talking to my youth, when I'm ministering to Pastor Glenn Hamill's folks, is love. This book is about love. And I think if you polled everyone in the congregation, they would say that that would be the one word that they would focus on would be love. This Bible mentions, I, I actually go by the, the NIV standard, 310 times in the King James Version, love is mentioned. That's a lot. 310. In my particular version, 551 times it is mentioned. So church, I ask you, if God's holy and anointed words have such intense repetition of love, it must be vital to knowing and serving our God. Can I get an amen? Like love is important. It's a big, big deal. Let me backtrack real quick. I've always wanted to be the pastor that goes ahead and tells you where we're going to be like way ahead so that you're not thumbing through it. Okay, let's go ahead and we're going to be in John chapter 13 today. All right. John chapter 13 is where we're going to be. 
Henry and I joke often, since he has come back to be our lead pastor, we have these isms that we say. And my youth group's over there smiling because they know that Pastor Blackie has a lot of isms. Okay, little quick sayings that I have. They know that one thing that I'll tell them, one Blackieism, is to do the next right thing. Whatever is in front of you, just do that next right thing and you can get through your day. They also know another Blackieism is show me your friends and I will, I will show you your future. You show me who you're setting up around, who you're wanting to be around, I'll show you where you're going to go in life. I mean, that's just a fact. Well, Pastor Henry has these great isms too. He's been using this one of late that maybe you don't know, and it's called sheep before the shepherds. See, our congregation, our church members, you are our sheep. And as your leaders, we are your shepherds. It is our job to watch over you and to take care of you and to serve you. We are here for you. That is what we do. So when Derek gets up and apologizes and I'm crushed after a brother, you know, lets me down, I feel like I have let my sheep down. But when pastor says sheep before the shepherds, I want you to know what he's talking about and he's serious about it. But where I'm going with all of this, my favorite pastor Henryism is the Bible says what it means and it means what it says. The Bible says what it means and it means what it says. So when I read you these stats that... Love is mentioned 551 times in this book, then we obviously can all come into agreement that the Bible means what it says and it says what it means concerning love. If you would, let's go ahead and pull up that first photo before we get into our first verse. That's okay. We'll get back to the photo. Hey, before we get to... Hey, here, there's the photo. Okay, so many of you may not know this about me, but Michelle and I, 10 years ago, we started our own ministry called Victory Wakeboard Ministries. And what we do with our ministry is we engage youth, we engage uh, adults through water sports, wakeboarding, skiing, barefooting, tubing, birthday parties. If it floats, if you want to get in a Yeti cooler and ride it behind our boat, we'll pull you. We'll pull you. And if I boast, I boast in the Lord. Know that about me. If I boast, I boast in the Lord. There is nobody on planet Earth that is better at running a water sports ministry than me. Than me. There's just not. There's just not. I'm passionate about it. I do it for the glory of God. And I won't bore you with my story. But a long time ago, I used to pursue recreation. I never was an alcoholic. I never dealt in drugs big time. It's one of these things that I absolutely ran after. And I use wakeboarding and recreation as an idol. I use it as an idol, and then God came to me one day, and he said, you know, Blackie, um, you're, you're, you're an idiot. You're an idiot because you're using this for all the wrong reasons. If you do it for my glory, I'll allow you to do it full time. You can pour into tons of youth. You can do your absolute best to change lives. You can love on kids that have never been loved, and you can do this for your occupation if you'll do it for me. And that's what we've been doing for the past decade. So I, I pull up this picture right here because I want to share it to you as we're talking about love. I can tell you with my youth, as Miss Lindsay is here, she's a lady out of Louisiana that I'll get to in just a second. But when I talk about to my youth, how's your day going? How's your week going? How are things going in your life? What do you think the, the number one response I normally get is? Fine. Fine. Things are fine, Mr. Blackie. Thanks for asking. Things are fine. But lately, lately we've been having a breakthrough. I'd say over the last three weeks because we've started to become really honest with each other. 
We've been listening to this, this song by Matthew West called The Truth Be Told. And what we've decided is, is as a youth group, no longer are we going to show up and play church. We're not going to, what are we doing? Why would we just show up and play church? We're here for a reason. We don't want to just show up because culture says, come to church. Let's sit here. Let's sing a couple of songs. Let's put some money in the poor box. And then let's go home or have chicken at Lindy's, right? We're not showing up and playing church anymore. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. But what they tell me in these honest moments that we have is, Blackie, I have a hard time loving myself. In fact, one of our leaders, one of our high school leaders came to me about three weeks ago, broken, sobbing, crying. And this is a young man that has a lot going on in his life. From the outside, right? Everything looks perfect. Everything looks good. But he came to me and he said, I'm having trouble getting over my past. I'm having trouble loving myself. I cannot love myself. And congregation, I can tell you, there's a lot that our youth deal with. You can imagine, right? Social media pressures, vaping, alcohol, pornography. The list is long. The list is long. But over and over and over again, they tell me, especially since our truth has started pouring out, we have trouble loving ourselves. We have trouble forgetting our past. Even though we serve a God that says that he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west, we have trouble loving ourselves. Okay, back to my photo. So Lindsay is from Louisiana. I met her at Journey Camp. And by all accounts in this photo, you can tell she looks like an awesome teenage girl. Awesome teenage girl. But what you don't see, and we've cropped the photos just a little bit here, is that Lindsay doesn't love herself. She did not love herself. I was blessed enough to know her when she got on the boat just a little bit. She was the only one that I took out on my boat during journey camp that day. Normally my boat is packed 12 to 14 people. I've got two hours to turn all of those over to teach them how to wakeboard or ski or whatever we're doing that day. It just so happened that day allowed her to be the only one that wanted to learn how to wakeboard. She hops on the boat. She has her youth leader with her, and she's got on this windbreaker, almost like a golf windbreaker, right? It's 95 degrees in northeast Georgia in July, and this lady is wearing a windbreaker. So I really didn't think much about it. Maybe she didn't want to get sunburned. I don't know. So we go out, and I had to do my best to find some calm water because it was really windy that day. So we had about a 25-minute boat ride. I'm prepping her. I get her in her life jacket. And what I find is when she's taking off her windbreaker to, to get suited up, she's got all these marks all over her arms. She's got deep cuts all over her arms. She actually has some right in here as well. And it's because Lindsay was a cutter. Now, I'm not sure how much you know about this issue, but what Lindsay does is she doesn't love herself enough, and she hasn't received love in her lifetime so what she does is she takes a razor blade or by her own omission, a dull knife. And what she'll do is she'll cut her arms so she can control the pain that comes into her life. How sad is that? That's honest, though. That's honest. I did not say one word about it. This young lady, I mean, on a scale of one to ten, she's like a 14. Look how pretty she is. She could be anybody's niece. She could be anybody's daughter, girlfriend, friend just like anybody else, except she mutilates her body so she can control the pain. Didn't say a word, got her in the water. Another thing you need to know about Lindsay, other than she is a cutter, is she is perhaps the worst wakeboarder I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> my boat at that time held 40 gallons of gas, and normally I run about 10 to 15 gallons, depending on how far we have to go, what the wind, the current, all that good stuff is. And she absolutely sucked my boat bone dry. 
bone dry. Ten times, could not get up. And not just couldn't get up. Like, I've dealt with... A lot of you guys I've taught to wakeboard. Uh, couldn't... Didn't, wasn't even close. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're seeing uh, uh, progression or you've seen somebody make some headway, that's one thing. But she was never close. Took a break after 15 minutes. Took another break. 32 times of the period of two hours and 45 minutes. I was 30 minutes getting late, 30 minutes late getting back to the dock. We finally got her up. We finally got her riding. And if you can see that what I'm wearing, you see this headset that I've got on here? And she has the helmet so I can talk to her as she's riding. And as she's coming up and she's finally getting it, she's finally having victory and getting, getting over her ability not to ride. I see her back there and, and I can't even talk to her because she's crying. She's just completely weeping because she has had victory. She comes back to the boat. We give each other hugs. Still not one thing said about our scars. And then we ride home. On the ride home, she said, Thank you, Blackie, for not saying anything about the marks on my body. Do you want to know about them? I said, I want to know about you. I don't want to know about your scars. So she tells me a little bit about her history. And I just feel ill-equipped at the point of where we're talking, and I just didn't know what else to say. I said, listen, I don't know what you got going on in your life, but I know there is a God that loves you endlessly. He is jealous for you. He is selfish for your time and your talents, and he wants to draw near to you. He wants to love you like you've never been loved before. This is Lindsay from Louisiana. I talk to her occasionally still on social media. She's doing well. She no longer cuts, and she is serving the Lord as of right now. Before we get too deep into today's message, I I want us to understand what type of love we're focusing on this morning. What type of love? We are not focusing on romantic love. We're not focusing on the Valentine type of love from God. We're not talking about physical attraction, love. The Greek word is ethos. We're not talking about an affectionate love or a friendship type of love this morning. That's not what we're discussing. What we're talking about is an agape type love. Agape represents God love. It's his supernatural love. His supernatural love. We want to focus on the unconditional love of God. Hear me, church, when I say that his love is superior. It is the highest form of love ever to exist throughout the world and throughout the history of mankind. Nothing can stand against it. Nothing even comes close the way that our God loves us. Nothing. What I love to is that God's love, and hear me when I say this, it is not dependent upon circumstance, and it, thank goodness, is not dependent upon our personal merit. It's an enduring love that we can never outrun and perhaps never fully understand. We'll go ahead and pull up our first verse for the morning. And I want to give you just a little bit of background on this verse. This is a verse that Brother Derek gave me years ago that I have held my camp in for a long, long time. My youth know it well, and I cannot wait to discuss it with you this morning. The background of this verse, I want you to understand that our Savior, Jesus Christ, he knows that his time is almost up to be with us. He knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows that he is about to hang on the cross for our sins and our transgressions. And time is running out for the Savior of the world. He has very little time to do what he needs to do. Some of the last recorded words in the Bible are these right here of what our Lord says. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me 
And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In the last moments of his life, my Savior, your Savior, could have been talking about anything. He could have been talking about faith. He could have been talking about hope, discipleship, tithing, war, whatever it is. But that's not what he chooses to leave us with. He chooses the word love, the power of love. Love as a verb, as an action. A new command I give you to love one another. And not just to love one another, what? To love one another as I have loved you. Hmm. I also love how the book of John, it uses the word command. You don't see Jesus sitting here and saying, hey, I have a simple request for you. I, ha- I, ha- I have an ask. Would you do me a favor and... It's not what he says. That is not what he says. A new command. I command you to do this. It is an authoritative request from Jesus. It's not an ask. Let's see the next verse, please. If you love me, keep my commands. He's put it back on us now. You know that I love you. But if you love me, keep my commands. I've commanded you. Keep my commands. Next verse, please. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. You starting to see a pattern here? You starting to see a pattern? I had a professor at Kentucky Wesleyan... And he was one of these professors that had a, he, he had a master's degree. And a lot of people that I studied under had PhDs. They were, they were much highly more educated. I've studied under people from Stanford, Princeton, Cal Berkeley, Virginia. He had a degree from little southeast Missouri State. And he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And he would say, Brian, when you go to write something, when you go to talk, however it is that you're ready to communicate, what I need you to do is I need you to tell the people what you're going to tell them. Then I need you to tell the people what you intend to tell them. And then in recap, just tell them what you just told them. My father's over here laughing because he spent like 50 grand of his money just to get that piece of advice. (laughs) He corrected me. He just said 75. (laughs) Uh, but you see this over and over in John and I'm going to show it to you one more time in a separate verse just to show you what's going on here because the Lord knows how we work he knows how we behave he knows who we are he knows we're about flesh and he's like okay I've got this thing that's really really important it's called love how can I get my message through well I need to tell them what I need to tell them then I need to tell them what I'm going to tell them and then almost at the very end when I'm getting ready to hang on the cross I need to make sure to tell them what I just told them. That's exactly what's going on right here. That is exactly what's going on. Let's see the next photo if you don't mind. Yes. There we go. Great. So... 
God tells us, too, that if we love him, we keep his commands, this is all in John still, that he will and does have the ability to manifest himself to us. He can show himself to us. You saw what it says. You know, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So I want to show you a photo right here. This is from a little village in Guatemala. I've been very blessed to go there seven times. I've been there five times with groups from this church and sponsored by this church. So this is a place that we have a, a foothold in. This particular village here in Guatemala is called Sheparqui. Everybody say Sheparqui. And we normally do all of our ministry in the village just above it called Panama King. But we occasionally take the 15 to 20 minute walk down. Uh, and it's about an 80-minute walk back up because it's all mountains. And this is my good friend. This is Espen. This is Espen. And Espen lives in a shack that a cinder block built. It has dirt floors. And it is probably, let's call it 20 by 20. It has a tin roof on it. And he is absolutely one awesome guy that loves Jesus. I just absolutely love Espen. He and I have a close connection. And I show you Espen because the story I want to tell you about love has to do with his mother. The first time I met Espen's mother, she was on the front row of an outdoor concert that we were having up in Panama Keen. We had a blue tarp over the plastic chairs that were sitting out, and the way the tarp was being held up were from uh, trees that the villagers had cut that day. So don't think like we're having a concert like in here, like we had Kiwi last week. This is like really rude, really uh, National Geographic, if you will. And I see his mother sitting on the front row. And she had given birth about a, about a month before we got there. And she weighed about 90 pounds. She had long black hair and she was thin as a toothpick. And she was basically comatose on the front row, sitting in this plastic chair as the rain came through the tarp and was getting her wet. We had a low attendance that night, to be quite honest. It wasn't anything special, the concert that we had as we were trying to minister to the villagers. But she just sat up there and she kind of was rocking back and forth, but, but couldn't say and couldn't speak. And she was rocking and she was rocking. And finally, Michelle and I, I don't even know that we even said anything to each other, but we decided to go up and we wanted to put our hands on her and pray for her. The backstory on her was right before we arrived, about three days before this concert, she was sleeping in the bed with her newborn baby. And she rolled over on the baby during the night. She suffocated and she killed the baby. And you can imagine waking up in a house where that has just taken place. You can imagine what that would do to somebody. And Michelle and I, as we're praying over this lady who is broken, I'm in front and I've got, her, I've got her hands and I'm feeling her hands. And you ever hold somebody's hands and you can tell that they're way colder than they need to be? Her hands are ice cold, like deadly cold. She rocked back and forth and her hair was a mess. But I look up at her and she's crying. She has mucus coming out of her nose. And other than that, she's just a complete wreck. I mean, she is a mess. And I'm down on knee in front of her. And Michelle's got her hands on her back and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. And the Holy Spirit showed up. And he showed up and he told me and what he said was, Blackie, you and Michelle are not going to save this woman. Nothing that you say is going to matter to her. You're not going to fix this situation. You're not equipped enough to fix this situation, young Christian. This one, this one here is above you. Sorry. But I tell you what the Lord told me in that moment. Hmm. I like where your heart is. 
I like the work that you're doing, Blackie. I like that you're down here on your knee in a foreign country that's very, very dangerous and you've stepped out and you are loving the least of these. You are pouring into this woman because she matters and now you're loving somebody the way that I love you and I like it. I like what I see, young Christian. Changed my life that day. Changed my life that day. She died not long after. And the last time I was in Guatemala, I went down to her property where we have built basically a small version of a a pole barn. It's basically what we built. And they had relocated it to the back of the property. And the view where they have now moved it is where Espen lives. And he is now the man at his house at probably 19. 19 years old, eight, nine brothers and sisters, and he is the man. But his mother did not make it. She basically died of a broken heart. And I learned from her. And what the God had me say, I mean, God, what God had me say to her as I prayed for her. Last verse I want to share with you is John 15, 9 through 17. As I read through this verse here, and not to beat a dead horse. And this is the God's, this is God's words. Pastor Henry says, the Bible says what it means and it means what it says. A little bit longer verse here, but I want you to notice the sheer repetition Children of God in the house today, notice the sheer repetition of what the Lord is trying to tell us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy will be in you and that your joy may be complete. Again, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Man, thank goodness I serve a God that calls me his friend. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that wherever you go, I'm sorry, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And closes with, this is my command, love each other. In two pages of the Bible, this is my command, love each other, is mentioned four times. I rededicated my life 11 years ago right after my daughter was born. I did not any longer want to live for the world. I wanted to be the type of father that my father was to me and that my heavenly father is to all of us. And I can tell you, I do a lot of things wrong as a Christian. I do. I know I'm not perfect. The last thing the world needs is another perfect Christian. That's the last thing, acting perfect at least. Let me say that. But I can tell you that I serve a God that loves and he loves endlessly. He loves without approach, deeply, and endlessly. I 
I'm going to tell one more quick story, and then I'm going to have my daughter come forward. I was a UPS driver. I was in UPS upper management for 12 years in Nashville, Tennessee. I loved my job. It paid very well, but the hours were incredibly long, and they were very hard. I see my brother down here nodding. He's a brown man too, okay? We know what brown can do for you, and that is work you extremely hard. That's what brown can do. So during Christmas, one of my obligations was to run a package center in Franklin, Tennessee, and Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm not sure what you know about Nashville, but Franklin and Brentwood is where all the new money is. That's where all the, that's where all the country music stars live. So one day, we had a bunch of packages left over that couldn't fit on the car, so I hop in a package car, and I take a package to Alan Jackson's house, the famous music star. You guys may know Alan Jackson. And... I like Alan Jackson a whole lot, even more, because what I took him was a Minn Kota trolling motor. I mean, you know, Alan Jackson's getting a trolling motor. Thumbs up. All right. Uh, I knock on the door, and I'm expecting somebody, one of his helpers, to answer the door. And when I'm telling you he lives in an incredible home, 40,000 square feet maybe, on 2,000 acres of land, the man is blessed. All right? Well, Alan Jackson answers the door. He's like 6'4", you know, weighs like 150, thin as a rail. He's got his blue jeans on, T-shirt, hat. He looks like he's getting ready to sing on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry. And uh, he says, hello, sir. And I said, hello, Mr. Jackson, here's your package. And he says, I've been waiting on that package for three weeks now. Where have you been? I said, well, Mr. Jackson, it's a very busy time. He said, man, I'm just teasing you. I'm just teasing you. He said, you in a hurry? I said, man, it's peak season. I'm always in a hurry. Of course I'm in a hurry. He said, you're not, too, you're not in a big enough hurry not to receive this. Come on in. So as I walk in his house, I just go into the breezeway there. And I mean, the ceilings are 60 feet tall. I mean, this is a balling house. I'm here to tell you. You know, this, 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 is, this is the crib of all cribs. And in the back, I see his people like prepping. Uh, and they're dressed in tuxedos. And they're dressed like a high-end maid would be dressed, you know, from maybe back in the day. But his workers and his servants are busy doing something. Well, he comes forward with me, comes, emerges from the kitchen, and he's got a plate, and three feet high are cupcakes and cookies and all kinds of stuff that I'm sure somebody from the record label sent to him. He doesn't have time to eat, so he's going to give it to the bald-head UPS guy, okay? And let me tell you what, the bald-head UPS guy took it, and I was, ha- I was the king when I got back to the package center, I can tell you. I can tell you. I tell you that story to tell you this. Written on the sheetrock in Alan Jackson's entryway of his house were the closing lyrics to his Grammy-winning song, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? His song right after the attacks of 9-11. And what is written on Alan Jackson's wall in Franklin, Tennessee, I can tell you, is faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us dot, 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 but the greatest is love. The greatest is love.